0: Welcome to the very last episode of Season 1 of our BPD Bunch Brunch Bonus Series. This is where we get together with our favorite brunchy beverages to catch up, play games, and talk about all things BPD. I'm your host, Sani, and I am here today with Katya, Devin, and Jay. And we are continuing our conversation about the last BPD symptom. So what has everybody got for your brunchy beverage? I still have coffee.
1: Coffee. I've switched it off. I've got pineapple smoothie. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that cup is amazing. (laughs) It's actually um, a really cheap one that costs like a pound from a discount store, but it's so good.
0: Awesome. So today we're going to share some stories from the stress induced paranoid ideation aspect of BPD. And like we talked about in our main episode a couple of weeks ago, the main thing that separates this from like the delusional types of paranoia that people experience is we may have a strong emotional belief that something is true. We, we recognize that there may not be like Without a shadow of a doubt, tangible proof of this. I'm very excited for today because we have someone amongst our cast who very clearly has experienced both (laughs) differently. And um, I think she actually would be the best person to sort of give some of these examples. So Katya, so you've, you no longer (laughs) qualify for a BPD diagnosis. Um, So yay, recovery. But you do still qualify for uh is it schizotypal personality disorder is that correct so yeah tell us about
1: it i moved from cluster b to cluster a (laughs) um (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah i mean in terms of bpd and stpd there is quite a big difference um the paranoia is constant because obviously i do still have those transient symptoms with bpd STPD is very much in the realm of things that are absolutely not going to happen or extremely unlikely to happen Um, and they are also rooted in a lot of the delusions that I have as well so I have a lot of paranoia around um, things like food being poisoned or most extreme examples that I have caused planes to crash with my mind um obviously that is not a part of BPD and for anyone who is watching like that is a very clear distinction it does however mean that I cannot escape being paranoid like it is pretty much a permanent state of mind for me they're mostly like psychotic like experiences because usually people with STPD they can kind of be convinced that what they're Experiencing or their paranoia is about is not grounded in reality, and that kind of separates it a little bit from the psychosis that you hear about, where people are like one hundred percent convinced. Like Zanny was saying, like for me, you know, generally I can be talked around from whatever it is that I'm paranoid about. It might take a while, and it's probably best not to do it when I'm in a really heightened emotional state, but. I can reflect on some of the delusions and the paranoia I've had and realise that, you know, actually that was slightly ridiculous. It's not that I have any control over it, but I can usually see on reflection that it is quite unreasonable. Um, with BPD, it is much more around people, I find. So the way that people interact with me, the way that I interact with other people, Um and a lot of it is centered on me not necessarily reading signs correctly from other people and misinterpreting things. Um, so yeah, I guess that's probably the same for all of you in terms of BPD. Would that be right?
0: Yeah, that interpersonal aspect really is a big part of what separates like BPD paranoia from other things. I think Katja's example of like Being paranoid that she made a plane crash with her mind, she may not be 100 convinced that that's fact. But it's not really an interpersonal issue. The BPD stuff is really about misinterpreting other people's signals, seeing hostile signs where there either aren't any or the level of hostility is is much exaggerated in our interpretation of it. It's hard to know like how to react even if somebody is being hostile because many of us are so used to like this overreaction and it's like wait how do i respond to this in an effective way where i'm standing up for myself but not being dysfunctional like what does that mean and it can be very 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 challenging so what are some specific stories that you can think of for example like if somebody doesn't respond to a text right away this idea of like oh my gosh they hate me Like, are there some specific versions of this that uh, expressed in your life?
2: I feel like mine are so textbook, like that exact experience of like, oh, my God, it's been 15 minutes. They hate me. Um, I definitely experienced this a lot less than I did. In my mid 20s, I was like a serial dater. It was a problem. But that's when that really showed up for me.
3: Yep, same textbook stuff. Uh, you say hi to somebody, and it's something as completely innocuous as that, and they're lost in thought or on the phone or something, and don't say hi back, and then that becomes all day of like, why does Steve hate me now? What did I do to Steve?
0: One of the weirdest ones that I've observed is is this like reaction to other people's tone. Usually I only, I really only have this reaction from people who are really, really close to me. So it's like my husband, my dad, my brother, like one of my best, best friends. I don't, I rarely have this with people who are not in that circle, but if one of them comes to me and they're complaining about a, or just venting to me about another situation, if they sound aggressive in my direction, even if it's not about me, I have an emotional reaction as if. Whatever they're talking about is about me. And that is one of the things that I still observe in myself and is such a weird experience because I can sit there and tell myself, wow, you know, like, man, my husband had a really difficult interaction with so-and-so. Why do I feel like he's attacking me? I sometimes don't know what to do with that emotional response because I'm like, I I now have the awareness to, without a doubt, 100%, I know. I can't throw any of this at him because it has, it doesn't have anything to do with me at all. I don't know if any of you experienced that where it's like it's very obvious that whatever is going on has zero things to do with you and yet you cannot convince your emotions that that is true.
1: Yeah I empathize with that completely and I also have like a real problem with things that are written online and not being able to tell people's tones because I automatically jump to the conclusion that it's an attack on me because of the way that it's phrased or the wording that's being used and this is why I just completely avoid comments like ever because I really struggle to interpret the meaning behind it or the intention behind it and it happens in person as well when people are talking to me you know that change of voice um the change in tone, because I feel automatically that it's a reflection on me. Like you said, Zani, if someone is angry or annoyed, I just find a way to turn it around to be relevant to me, which is maybe a little bit egotistical in a way. But I do feel like it's a real problem for me to be able to tell from people's tone, like whether it's online or in person, like how I should take them.
2: That's so valid about things online.
0: Our individual environments and how words are used around us also like make a huge difference like I had a uh, a manager once who asked me not to text her the word sure without any more clarification um, like without an emoji or, or something because whenever if she said like could you do such and such things via text and I responded to her and was like sure I always think sure like that's that's how I always say it. It's out loud, but so many people, and she's one of them, hear it as sure. Whatever you say. So now, if I use that word, I always try to put an exclamation point after it, so that it's obvious that the intonation is like sure, like yes. It's a it's high energy, not like because the way that it sounds like if I were to put that in in with written, I'd be like the way she heard it. Sure ellipses, sure. Mm. I run into that that problem a lot,
2: texting my therapist. I I mean, I've been working with him for like two years or something now. So I understand like, you know, when there's lots of periods and stuff and he writes really formally via text to not like get offended because it's just, you know, but yeah. And then on my end, sometimes he gets confused about what I'm saying because like, I don't always use punctuation correctly and whatever but I feel like that's almost like a generational thing
1: I think it's always easier if people can use emojis I've seen tone tags on Instagram as well and I actually I don't know what they mean but they seem to be quite useful to people Um, I have friends with autism for example and they find them really useful because it helps them interpret what's being said for me if you just stick like a smiley face emoji on the end I know you don't hate me like it's actually that simple
3: (laughs) they're useful you know, And absolutely, if I texted somebody and said, hey, can you blah, blah, and they text me back, sure. Oh, no. But yeah, so you got like halfway through that story, and I was like, oh, you don't tell me. You just said sure. Yeah, I, I totally uh, empathize with that. And it, it, we tend to project on other people how we phrase things, too, in text. So if I read a text from someone the way I would send it, then there's a lot of nuance there that's imagined because they're not me. If you don't have enough data, you can't, you can't solve a problem. So I try not to assume anything, which is very hard.
1: I think that's the thing as well isn't it it's like if you are so used to interpreting things in some way like it makes me really conscious of the way that I interact with other people and I assume that they kind of think the way that I do so rather than send in a one-word response to somebody that actually someone else might find completely fine I over explain and then they're like why is she telling me this like <laughs> like why is she going into so much detail when it could have been a one-word answer but I just assume you know that everyone's like me.
0: Yes. In a way, like being on the internet has been helpful, especially like on short form social media where you have a character limit. Uh, I've gotten a little bit better at that. And I can go back and be like, does this really add that much to this? No, it does not. I can take this out.
3: No, I think Devin can relate to this too, Was being finding out early in life that you're talented at something performative. It's not so much that paranoia is, oh, does this person like, do these people like me as a person? It's more, do they like what I produce, right? Like being an artist or being a musician or whatever, you have to put that in front of people. And it's terrifying for anyone. But if you stack on that paranoia of everybody's just going to say it's nice because they're trying to be nice, but they don't nobody actually likes it. You know?
2: One thing I try to like remind myself of is that like nobody owes you anything you know it's like people don't owe you to be like oh like you know your art's good like that kind of thing it's like most people don't just say that shit just to say it or at least from my perspective when I first started sharing my art on like Instagram I was terrified like so terrified and I had that like inner dialogue of like what are people going to think about me and now everyone's going to know I have BPD what are the people that I work with going to think of me they're going to think I'm attention seeking they're all going to hate me and then like I started to just you know gradually like put more stuff out there and I was like oh I don't care
3: (laughs) yeah remembering that people have their own inner lives that their own complete inner universes separate from yours that is just as rich and deep and full as yours and they're concentrating on that and not you very difficult to keep in mind
1: i think definitely like thinking about careers and stuff obviously i'm not in the arts i'm very far removed from the arts i have zero artistic talent which anyone who knows me will tell you but one of the things that i'm very paranoid about is being symptomatic and people picking up on that now that's not really so much of a problem with bpd because. I've had a long time of masking BPD symptoms, it's a lot harder to hide with a STPD and although this isn't a conversation about schizotypal personality disorder, you know, it is something that does make me really paranoid and because of the job that I do where I am a teacher, it's essentially, it's like a performative role because you're standing in front of a class for six to eight hours a day, you are playing a role, you are essentially entertaining people And, you know, I very much kind of lean into the niche that I've created for myself as that one slightly eccentric, maybe a little bit odd teacher. And when you are dealing with really extreme paranoia, so I'm talking about like this end of the scale, like towards the STPD side of it, it's quite difficult to hide. And then I get paranoid about can people tell that I'm symptomatic? And then that kind of drives even more paranoia. So it's like a vicious cycle. And I don't know whether you guys have that with paranoia about BPD traits showing through, but I also suffer with that as well. Like, when I'm being really impulsive, can people tell that that's part of BPD? And then I get paranoid about that.
2: <laughs> Completely. Oh, yeah. Because I work in a hospital where people are very aware of what BPD is. And, like, some people know I have it because I've, you know, made some close connections and whatever. And they follow me on Instagram. It's not like a secret, but I think like in the beginning when I was still carrying like a ton of shame around it, it was very much like, oh my God, like, are they going to think this is due to my BPD or are they going to think this is a BPD thing? Like, honestly, like a lot of things just kind of got solved because of like finding self-worth. So I think that's sort of where like the paranoia has died down for me a little bit because I'm like you know I don't need to like be worrying about what my coworkers think of me like all day you know
0: <laughs> this is one of those symptoms that like it's odd to end I feel like odd to end the season on because it's like the one I probably do still struggle with the most but I guess in a way it's kind of good because there's not like a, oh you're in functional recovery like things are great like I'm sure Katya will tell you like even though she doesn't technically have BPD as an official diagnosis anymore. It doesn't mean that none of those things ever come
1: up. Is that accurate? Definitely. I've still got BPD traits. So yeah, it is it is still problematic often.
0: <laughs> Some of these things, it's not like other people don't ever struggle with them, right? I know a lot of people who don't have an official diagnosis of something and they'd still like worry about what someone thinks of them or has a, a moment of intense emotion. It's not like we're total aliens. Um, we just
2: like to take it to like the next level yeah we just like to amp it up
0: let's just turn the volume up to 100 it's a good way to end it because you know there's always something to work on we all can keep getting better and sometimes i think also it's important to realize that you can get to a point in recovery where you feel pretty okay and then you realize ooh, i'm actually okay enough to start dealing with something that i wasn't even willing to touch a few years ago Um, And I think that that's where I'm leaving this season with is just this like, oh, like there is still a symptom that is kind of hanging on. And I didn't realize how much it was hanging on because all the other ones were so big for so long that it wasn't until I kind of got them under control that I could see, oh, wow, this is still a thing. And now I have more skills to be able to attack it and it doesn't make me you know less functional or able to manage my life it just means that there's more room to grow and i'm i'm excited about that so thank you everyone for watching the first season of the vpd bunch and the vpd bunch brunch we look forward to coming back hopefully in february with our second season so make sure you like, subscribe, and turn on your notifications so that when we're back, you can hear all about it. In the meantime, you can follow us on our Instagram at the BPD Bunch. That about covers it. So we will see ya when we see ya. Bye! Bye! Bye.